be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. I'm Chris Solomon, joined today by European tour member, United States citizen, Peter Uline. <laughs> Peter, you are back in the U.S. right now. You were down in Australia playing the World Six last week. We're recording this now on Thursday. How long does it take you to get over jet lag on a trip like that? Well, uh, you know, thanks first and foremost, thanks for having me on. You know, I've been a long-time listener, so I'm excited to do this, but... Um, well, my uh, the way I schedule is never, it's never it's never easy coming back and forth from the states. So I I got in from Australia, we got in we got out early after missing the Saturday cut. Got home Sunday, and uh, I mean I'm back out. I'm leaving again Sunday, so to South Africa. So um, it takes it takes typically if I if I try to do it like right, like it probably takes one to two days. But this week I just I've just given up hope. I mean you come from. <laughs> From where at where was I? I was in Dubai, Malaysia, Australia, and then I'm here, and then I'm going to Africa, then India. So I mean, this week's just kind of a wash week for me. I'm going to bed at like six o'clock. I've my my girlfriend's loving it. So what do you, yeah? What are you doing? I guess maybe that answers the question. What are you doing back in the states this week? Yeah, that's a good question. I got uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've I have family here now, and you know, I, I I like coming home when I when I can. My friends obviously it's Honda week, so I can see some of my friends that are in town. Um, obviously, we have my I have my girlfriend's here, and we have two dogs, so I want to get home to to see those and see them and uh, and hang out with them. So, um, yeah. But from uh, from a logistics standpoint, you know, if you're in Australia, you're not really thinking, hey, let's go to America, then then go to Africa. It's not it's not exactly on the way. To be fair, Australia is not really close to anything, so um, that, that's not uh, it's never easy. That's what I was gonna say. Is you didn't you didn't make the cut to the the, the Saturday cut. Um, yeah. Was was the trip to Australia worth it for for this new formatted event? Yeah, it it is for me because I love that golf course. I like Karen Yup. I think uh, it's one of my favorites. We play all year, so it's funny. I like almost try and base my schedule like around that event. So um, for me to go down there, I, I'd never really find it too. Uh, it, it's never it's never like I never feel like it's like pulling teeth to get down there. I I, I like playing that place. It's a it's a cool week. Uh, it's a good course. Um, I wish I, I wish I got to watch. I mean, like I said, I was flying home, so I didn't get to see Sunday. But uh, I saw that Rummy one, and Rummy, I think he had like a five or six shot lead or something stupid. So I mean, they, you know, it worked out. You know, you know, he should have won. You know, and it worked and it worked out that way. I don't know how it looked on TV or how how you know guys would think it was exciting to watch or or what. I was I was trying to scroll online when I landed. I couldn't quite figure it out online on the app. It seemed. I guess guys kept playing. Like you had guys playing for like the fifth spot and the sixth spot. I found that to be a little strange, but um, it, it seemed to it, the energy there seemed to be pretty cool. Like it seemed like everybody there was like pretty excited for it. So that that was at least cool to see. So do you you live full time? I guess tech, I mean full time is probably not the right way to say it, but you are a resident of Florida, right? That's where you that's where you call yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. I'm down in I'm down in Jupiter with just about every other golfer. Do you have a place in Europe at all? I know it's kind of, that may be kind of a silly question because uh, I've touched on this yeah. in the past that the European tour is really just European in name. Like, do you have a place over there at all, or any 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 other locations? 
No, no, I just, I, I come and go. I travel back and forth. I, I rack up the air miles. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, no, I come and go. And, and the way the schedule is kind of set up, this one, the start of the year is always a little bit funny, but you can basically do it. You know, if you want to go play the desert swing, you can go play three weeks in the desert, then come home and then go play a couple in South Africa and come home. So um, my, I, I always base my schedule based on kind of where I like playing. So um, it's, it's a little bit more of a sacrifice kind of going and skipping some events and going to, you know, Australia or whatnot. But, um, you know, it's I, like I have no I, I have no base. So they've added I mean. I'm probably the only guy who gets really excited about this, and I talk about it a lot. But they've added a Fort Lauderdale Dubai flight, so for me that's like heaven. You know, I can <laughs> I can just drive right to Fort Lauderdale, fly to Dubai, and it's like, oh yeah, 13 hour flight, that's fine. Like I, I I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> yeah, so what? How long does a flight have to be before you dread it? Or at this point, are you like, can you handle any flight time? <laughs> yeah, I, I I like flying. I think uh, I enjoy it. I like shutting the phone off and watching movies and shows and stuff like that. I, I don't mind it at all. Um, yeah, I have no issues with that. So it's it's a topic I'm sure you've covered many, many times, but for anyone that's listening that uh, may not be as familiar with it, um, what is? can you explain your reasoning for uh, for choosing to play European tours a full-time? I know not a lot of Americans do that, um, and you've been, you've been out there for several years now, and you seem to be really enjoying it. So in your own words, yeah. what is kind of your thought process and rationale behind that? Well, I think it was mostly when I was... I was chatting to my dad. We were. I was still in, still at Oklahoma State. I was about a junior, and I was still. I was still in Stillwater. And um, if you, anybody's ever been to Stillwater, you're in like a little bit of a bubble. You don't really, you know, know what's going on in the real world. So I'd only ever been to like, I played the Eisenhower uh, in Argentina, and I played the Open in uh, at St. George's. So that was the only time I'd ever ventured out really in America, really even. I very, I barely even rarely went out west, so I never really traveled. So um, for me, like I was, I'd always grown up liking like Ernie Els was always one of my favorite players, and Adam Scott. So it's like you know I look at those guys; they all started on the European tour, basically, you know. And so I guess that was kind of my mindset, you know, going out. It's like you know, there's really no, I guess, different. You know, just because I'm American doesn't mean I have to stay in America. And so like I kind of wanted to just travel and see the world and you know i've been able to do that i've been to some i've been to some crazy places and seen some things so for me it's been just an unbelievable experience and um you know obviously I, the, the main goal to come back home for sure but um as of now i'm really really enjoying my time out there and um yeah i'm having a good time and i definitely you know i definitely recommend it really for anybody who who wants to kind of travel play golf for you know and be able to play golf and it, it's not it's not the worst gig in the world for sure do you have an example of somewhere you were, somewhere you've been, where there's like a local custom or part of a culture like really surprised you, or you did something that was like really taboo that you had no idea was uh, was against the rules of any kind? Well, I so my first my first ever professional event was in Ahmedabad, India, and so my parents basically when I turned pro, they basically I got an invite on the challenge tour, and they basically threw me on a plane and just said, "Hey, good luck." So I rocked up to India, and if anybody's ever been to India, they they kind of know where I'm getting at with that. Might be the, I mean, just the most unreal. Like it's just the most crazy, unreal country I think I've ever seen in my life. It's just so, it's so, it's so up down. You know, it's like the rich are just so rich, and the and the, you know the the lower class are just so. Light. It's just it's it's unreal. And so when I got off this plane and 
you know, you just the sights that you see and the and the just everything you see. And then there was I remember going to the we were probably about two hours out um, from the golf course, and I didn't realize at the time like cows are sacred there. Like you can't you can't touch a cow. Like if you touch a cow, you're going to prison. <laughs> so like they had this cow was just crossing the street, and there was a huge pile up, huge backup, and accidents everywhere. And like when this cow was just crossing the street and was just chilling just minding its own business and the backup was just forever i mean it felt like it took like six hours to get to the course because you just couldn't move you couldn't you know these cows you can't touch them like they are sacred animals so whenever you're in india don't ever order steak because they obviously don't know how to cook it but uh they uh but i think that was kind of like i mean that was such an eye-opener coming from stillwater oklahoma to a metapod india and it's like wow this is Wow, this is great. Long way from home. <laughs> the culture shock of culture shock places, I think, might be in. Uh, That's what I think people maybe uh, don't have a full appreciation for. Like when you guys travel, when you go somewhere, um, I think people kind of every picture everything is private jets and you land no. and you, uh, you know, you get <laughs> helicoptered to the first tee. But no, you probably yeah. you see some things along the way. I, I had uh, I had Chris Wood yeah. on last week who's talking about, you know, taking 10 hour flights, then landing, then two hour trains to get to wherever you need to yeah. go. It's places aren't necessarily uh right near the airport and you do i mean i I guess that's a question do you get a good do you feel like you get a good sense of a country and what it's like in the time you get to spend there or once you're once you've landed in a place even um do you feel like it's all business yeah it depends it depends where you go i think um there there's some places where you know we call it quote unquote kind of like a prison week so you don't really venture out it's kind of the same thing kind of groundhog day every day but um there are some, but there are other places where, you know, you go like uh, and you stay in the cities and you get to see exactly what that country kind of has to offer. Like, uh, you know, like Hong Kong, we'll go stay in the city, or um, Prague, Prague, we're staying in the city. Um, you know, Munich, staying in the city. So, you know, there's some places that you go where you you get to actually experience what the country and the culture is all about. And um, I, I mean, I, if I was you know, I think that'd be one thing if I was running the tour, that's like one thing I would, uh, there's a few things I'd try to change, but that, that would be one thing. It's like, Hey, you know, really show everybody what the, these countries have to offer, you know? And, um, I think that would just be, that would just make it a little bit more kind of more exciting and more, more enticing for players to show up at, instead of going and, you know, playing, you know, two and a half hours outside Shanghai, you know, it's like, at least go to a place somewhere that's close to Shanghai. So you can stay in the city and see it and check it out. But you know, if you're staying so far away from doing something, you know, it makes it a little bit longer of a week and makes it a little bit tougher. In Prague, have you ever been to the bar called Ufleku? I've not actually. Okay. All right. That's Where a must that? do. That's a must do the next time you're in the city. It's like one of my top European recommendations and anybody listening to that in okay. Prague, it's fantastic. But, uh, all right. You brought up the topic, uh, about a lot of things you change about the European tour. There is a lot of shift currently ongoing. I feel like, uh, Keith Pelly seems to be the initiator of a lot of format changes. You just played an event. That's a brand new format. Uh, what do you think about the changes that are being made? Do you think it's kind of a, a proper shift towards the way golf will be like in the future? And what else would you change about it if you were in charge? Yeah, I think I, I give all the credit in the world to Pele. I think he's he's trying, which is what you need to do. You know, he's not he, he, he I feel like he's at least saying and trying to do the right things to make it make it unique, because at the end of the day, you're you're not you're not going to compete with the PGA Tour. I mean, you can't. I mean, I, I've heard 
they they've added like a twelve million dollar event in Korea or something. So you can't you can't compete with them from a money standpoint, but you can do something unique that would engage or entice players to play. And I think you know he's trying. You know he he obviously he tried the the Super Six down in Perth, and I've heard you know I've heard rumors it might be the same thing for like Sweden or Germany or BM, the BMW in Germany. There might be you know that might happen. Heck, I almost feel like we're like two years away from a putting competition tournament. <laughs> I mean, so they're they're you know he's trying. He's trying something unique and he's trying something different I, I mean i love what the pga tour did with the team event i think that's awesome I, I don't know what event it is but i've heard they've added you know a team event for players to play in um you know something like that i think would be really cool for the tour but um yeah I did, it, it's tough because at the end of the day you're not gonna you're not gonna knock off the pga tour but you can you can be unique and be different and because I mean, it is it is a global tour. It's not it's not the European tour. So, you know, it has that opportunity to be enticing and engaging and and, you know, very ex, you know exciting for for people to go out and watch and, you know, different formats, trying things like that. It, I mean, that's all it's all good and fun. And I think, you know, it's, it's an experiment in it. So you, you got to kind of see what works and see what kicks and, and see what takes off and then go from there. Yeah, I think at minimum at least trying these things, like you said, is the first step. And if it works, yeah. it works. Keep going yeah. for it. I like the fact that they're there. And I, I feel like with, there's a shift going going to be going on as well in the PGA Tour with Jay Monahan taking over and that they're going to be embracing some of these new – they've already done it once with the Zurich, like you said, the team event. Um, and I'm yeah, sure sure. there's going to be more changes down the way. I think that you can do so much more with like – even with like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, like why not a couple times a year do some kind of skills challenge on Wednesday afternoon from the range, televise that and kind of drum yeah. up a little bit of interest in some things that are other than, you know, just four rounds of stroke play. But um, you, so you've been on, out in the Euro tour. I think this is your fifth year playing in Europe. I think uh, we've mm-hmm. talked a, at length about how on the PGA tour, the, the era of guys kind of, I don't want to say socializing, but like the party era has kind of long since left the PGA Tour. The European Tour, at least like from what we can see on camera, even seems to just be more fun in general. So you mentioned kind of yeah. some of these really exotic places you guys go or the prison weeks where you guys don't have much to do. What's the social aspect like on the European Tour? Well, it's one of those things. I think Woody, you know, Woody mentioned it. They nail on the head. You know, you're you're taking flights and then you're taking you know two three hour bus drives and you're doing all that together. Yeah. That's what makes it unique. You know, whereas PJ Tour guys might be you know flying whatever private jet back home and you know staying at whatever hotel. You know, it's like seems like guys might be different places. Whereas European Tour, there's only so many places you can stay, and then everybody kind of stays at the same hotels. You take the same flights, so. You know the the lounges and the and some of those like charter flights at the end of the year. I mean, they get a little bit they get a little bit rowdy and um, you know. But it is, I think, when you're spending that much time with each other, you kind of just kind of, you know, it's like uh, it's like what I guess it's like a Ryder Cup feel all the time. You know, you're always interacting and engaging with with everybody and 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 seeing them in the airports and and you know seeing them in, at the hotels. Everybody's at the same gym basically. Everybody's at the same restaurants. So you're kind of always you're always around each other and you're always you know i guess in a weird way you know you're, you're pulling for each other you know it seems like everybody's very nice and very supportive of what what guys do and, and you know and it's it, i mean it's impressive to see it's really it really it really su- surprised me to be building on so i wasn't expecting it when i first came out so um for me it was like 
I mean, it was awesome. They really, really took to me. Like a lot of guys have been really good to me. So, um, you know, I've, I've absolutely loved it. I think that answers the next one I was going to say is, do you ever feel a bit like an outsider um, just being one of the few Americans on that circuit? Because, I, I mean, it's mostly made up of European players, but there are, of course, players from Asia and Africa as well. But uh, is there is it really kind of a thing that the borders are broken down and it's not clicky and it's a, a, a really just kind of welcoming social environment, you'd say? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it's funny because, like, yeah, it's the same anywhere. You know, be out to dinner and somebody might say something about America, and I'll be like, "Hey guys, you know, like I'm American." They're like, they're like "Well, no, right you're here. actually." Yeah, they're like, "Well, no, you're like an adopted European." I'm like, "Well, I mean, not really, but I mean, I appreciate it." But you know, so uh, for me, it's like, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I've kind of I've been lucky that I've kind of seen it from both ends of the spectrum now. And um, you know, like I said, they've taken to me, and um, they they mostly everybody's been really good to me. So. For me to be kind of, um, I guess they would, most guys say I'm not a typical yank is what they, <laughs> what they call me. So for me, it's like, I guess that's a really nice compliment. So, um, like, like I said, they've all been very good to me. So it's, it's been nice. Being outside the U.S. so much and considering all the major political shift going on in the U.S., has your, <laughs> has your, I'm not going to get too political with this question. Don't worry. But, uh, has your perception of the U.S. overall changed from your experience after being in so many other countries? Yeah, I tell you what. Um, just the one thing I'll say on this topic is people don't realize people don't realize how good they have it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, like I said, like I, I add India in the schedule every year just because it's just it's just such a humble pie that it's just you go there, you just you just count your blessings. I mean, you just appreciate everything you have, you know, and so it's like it's just going there. It's just, you come home and you're like, wow, it's like, I really, I really can't complain about anything. <laughs> so, you know, so for me, it's like, you know, I, you know, you see all these things on, you know, everybody, every four years, it seems like everybody's a political major and, you know, they have every, they have every idea in the book on what to do. So, but for me, it's like, man, you should, you know, you just, just go out and just go see it. Just go see what it's actually like firsthand. And then, and then, you know, and then you can actually kind of comment on it. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, to tell you why you've seen some things, you see some things traveling the world. That's for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I forget where I was. There was some, some protests going on in the U S and I'm not saying that people don't have the right to protest and, and whatnot, but no. I think I was in Nigeria when it happened and mm -hmm. it was just kind of like, wow, if, if, if the people here saw what we were protesting over, I think that, yeah. uh, that it yeah, might be, be a little upset. Uh, so who are some of the, who are some of the main guys you run around with? Uh, do you, do you ever, are you ever scheduling travel with someone? So you have somebody to travel with or staying with somebody on the road? Uh, no, cause nobody, I, I'm trying like guys that maybe live in Florida, um, that play like Peter Hansen, Trevor Immelman, um, but the, I mean, those guys, no, but they're out of Orlando, so I don't really, but, but for like my friend's standpoint, like I'll, David Lipsky, who's, who's an American, but you know, he's Asian. And, uh, then there's, uh, I spent a lot like Thomas Peters, um, Danny Willett, Fitzy, um, Lucas Beauregard. I mean, those guys are guys that, you know, I spend probably my most, most of my time with and get along with the best. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, Lipsky and, Lucas and Thomas are, and, you know, Willett. Yeah, I mean, all those guys are all, they're all, they're all good friends. And, you know, we, we chat a bunch and we were, if we're playing the same events, you know, we try to, you know, get a practice round together or whatnot. So, um, yeah, there, there's been like, 
it seems to be like the PJ Tour. It seems to be a nice young influx of, you know, a, or a good influx of young players, and you know, everybody kind of seems to get along and spends time together, and um, you know, so it's 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 fun to see. Is there a guy out there that is probably flying under the radar as far as American fans are concerned? Uh, I don't I don't know if Danny Willett would have been an example of that at this time last year. I mean, right. he was ranked top 15 or so in the world when he won the Masters. But is yeah. there a guy that's uh, that's like, oh, these guys the, in the States, they don't know about this guy yet, but he is going to be an absolute stud? Yeah, I was, it's funny. Last This time last year, I would have said, you know, Thomas Peters, which yeah. obviously – He's took off, but I—I I mean, I, like I—I I know I've mentioned him, you know, because I play a lot with him. But that L- Danish kid, Lucas Beregard, is really impressive. He's—he's he's very, very good, and uh, I think once he kind of figures it out, you know, he's—he absolutely bombs it, and uh, he's got a nice short game. He's a good putter, but I think once he kind of figures it out and puts it all together, like he's going to be—he's going to be very impressive, and. Uh, there's, a, there's, I mean, but there's, there's few guys like that. There's a French kid, Sebastian Gross, like nobody probably really knows. Um, another kid who absolutely beats the crap out of it, and um, you know, same kind of style. Like he's, a, you know, youngish player, and he'll, you know, he'll kind of once he kind of figures it out, you know, he'll be a top French boy. So um, then, then you got the guys like, you know, Weisberger, who's who's done it, you know, at least, you know, he was in the final group of a major and, um, you know, Sluton, who's been around a long time. I think those two guys are, um, very, very good, very kind of underappreciated and, um, you know, very, very underrated. So, um, I think those guys are, you know, could be next step kind of guys. This is the million dollar question that I'm sure you've never been asked before, but how long? Get this, well, I'm going to say, do you want... have anything to do with titles? No, no, actually, I was going to, I was going to avoid that one actually oh, yeah. completely. Oh, okay. I figured it oh, was, fair enough. It, it, you could probably guess it still then if, if, uh, by process of elimination, but yeah. what is, how long do you plan to peg it out on the European tour? Do you have a transition plan to maybe play the PGA tour full time at some point, maybe go the web.com route? Uh, or are you just going to soak up this European tour life for as long as you can? Yeah, it's it's tough now that like now that I've been playing out there and I've and I've seen it. It'd be tough for it's a tough sell for me to maybe play the web over the European tour. I don't know if I would I would ever, you know, I mean, obviously I don't know what the future holds, but it'd be a tough it'd be tough for for me to do that now. And uh, I think with um, I think kind of with my surgery last year, I kind of missed all year. I didn't really too much and I feel like I'm just kind of taking you know I feel like I've been able to start over this year so it's kind of like I feel like this year is like almost my rookie year again so I'm kind of um just kind of taking it as it goes and and letting you know and just kind of seeing where the cards fall on you know it, it, you know the old saying is you you know playing well takes care of everything so you know if you if you play well you know it doesn't really you know it's not like there's you know you can base a schedule but if you start playing better your schedule changes so you know it it's kind of hard to decide or hard to determine what exactly kind of is going to, you know, what's, I guess what the future holds, because, you know, if you start playing well and start winning and, you know, start contending, then all of a sudden schedule changes and then, you know, it becomes, it becomes different from there. So um, there's really no, no timetable for me at all. So I'm still pretty young, so I'm not really too worried about it. 
Yeah, especially hearing after how you describe how much you've enjoyed your travels, the places you've yeah. been and whatnot. I can't imagine it's an easy transition to go into like Boise and to go into some of the stops <laughs> are on the web tour and whatnot. To be, so. to be, to be fair, I've, probably, I've never been to those places. So I guess I could check those off. <laughs> that might be more culture shock there even yeah. in India, for all we know. So. Yeah. Um, you won the you won the 2010 USAM at Chambers Bay. At what point did it become like a legal requirement for whenever you were mentioned at any point that they ha- you had to be called US <laughs> Amateur Champ Peter Uline or so, Peter so Uline the US Amateur Champ? <laughs> so I'm playing in Dubai this year, and I get paired with Richie Ramsey, former Amateur Champion, and Curtis Luck, and they made it their mission. I mean, completely random pairing, right? You know, random draw. <laughs> And so they made it, uh, you know, you stand on the tee box and, uh, you know, you hear like groups in front, you know, you hear Henrik Stenson, the, you know, the open winner, or, you know, Sergio or whatever, you know, you hear all these guys, Tiger, I mean, Tiger was out there, you hear what, you know, 14 time major winner, or whatever. And but all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, you know, they have a three group of us amateur winners. And you're like, well, this is a bit weird. You know, this happened so long ago, <laughs> you know, it's amateur golf. It's totally different than professional golf. So, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I mean, I love, I mean, I think, you know, it's such a, it's such a cool thing. And, you know, Jack, I mean, I think I remember seeing Jack Nicholas thinks that the amateur was a major win. So, you know, he, he, he counts it as one. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously something I'll, you know, I'll t- I'll have with me forever. So I'm not, uh, not overly disappointed in it. That's for sure. <laughs> Were you were you prepared for what that uh, the extra pressure that came with carrying that title? I guess first, did did you feel like extra pressure was put on you after you won that event? And if so, were you uh, how well prepared for it were you? No, I uh, I've been uh, I I guess I've always been in a weird situation because of who my dad is. So right. I guess I guess to me that was always a little bit. I almost feel like the amateur thing kind of was overshadowed by you know just kind of the fact of who my dad is kind of thing so um for me it's never i guess kind of like you know the accolades and 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 whatnot are all kind of just perks you know i mean i guess whatever pressure you kind of i always feel it's 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 always self-induced you never really i think if you if you're trying to kind of live up or you know recreate a situation it's never really gonna and it's tough you know from from a i guess from a mental standpoint you know if you're if you're putting so much pressure, like I remember putting a lot of pressure on myself to win the amateur the next year, and I almost felt like when I didn't win, I was like a failure. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, why would I, ex- you know, put all this amount of pressure on myself to to keep performing or do well when it's in reality is it's like, hey, you know, it's like you're, you know, you're a pretty good golfer. Like you can just go out and carefree. You've already done it. Like you know, just relax, and have fun. And it's like, I feel like, you know, I definitely got you know get caught up in that. You know, like my you know, for example, as being a pro, my rookie year, I had a good year, one, one, and um, had a couple of runner-ups, and all of a sudden, it's like the next year, it's like, well, I, you know, it's like, oh, I played well here last year, I didn't play well here this year, and it's like, oh, I'm immediately a worse golfer than I was the year before, and it's like, well, no, it's not necessarily the case, so um, I think that kind of process of just kind of growing and, you know, understanding and, and you know, I guess getting better in a way, mentally, that, hey, you know, you know, it's just, you know, whatever happens the year before isn't necessarily make you a better, you know, a better or a worse person or a worse player. So um, I think I've been lucky with kind of my growing up, you know, with the with who my dad is and then having success as an amateur. And, um, you know, I think it's kind of helped me as a pro understand 
you know, the ups and downs of the game and um, the ebbs and flows of it. So, uh, it's been good. Your amateur win was at Chambers Bay. What did you think of the golf course then, and how did you think about how it played out? I don't know how much of you got to watch in 2015 of the U.S. Open. How, what did you think of that course, and did you think it was worthy of hosting a major championship? That's, see, I'm probably – I think me and George Spears are the only guys that actually – we might be the only guys that are, that are partial towards this question. So um, I think – well, you, you, know, you know played it. In, sorry, it was in in what 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 month is the U.S. Amateur Final? It was final? in August. So August, so same. It was in August. Okay. Yeah. So it was on. It was I won on my twenty first birthday, so that was that was not a party. <laughs> um, so the later in the year, it was okay because then the bent grass had a chance to grow. Right. I think when it was when it's hosted in June, like you know, you have you, I guess your winter and your spring in Washington, you're not. It's not a lot of. Not a lot of sun, not a lot of good weather, is it? So the Poe is going to take over. So you know they at least had basically their you know a full summer. I remember still wearing like sweaters and rain pants in August, but you know at least they had a summer to where the grass on the greens can grow. Um, having it in June, obviously they you know didn't have that chance, and the Poe took over. And I think that's kind of it's a little unfortunate that that's kind of the the storyline. You know, you think of you know when somebody mentions Chambered Bay, you know the first thing I think of was the greens and you know how obviously a lot of people talked about how you know there was a lot of complaints and a lot of uh you know controversy around the greens being the way they were but um i guess they made they made some changes for it um for the u.s open that it was the usam the usga is i mean give credit to them they're pretty smart you know they use the amateurs as as guinea pigs yeah <laughs> you know so you know it's the same with aaron hills you know we played aaron hills the year after so um you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, they're using the amateur event as, you know, kind of a stepping stone for U.S. Opens. And, I mean, fair play to them. It's smart. So. You, as a result of winning that, you got paired with the uh, defending Masters champion at the 2011 Masters, which was, of course, Phil Mickelson. Mm-hmm. How talkative is he during a major championship? Uh, so I got to play with him the Wednesday you know, the day before, I got to play with them Wednesday. I played with Fowler and, and Couples and, and Phil. So just to kind of, you know, we played nine holes just to kind of get it out, like, you know, get the excitement out of the way of playing with Phil and, and, and you know, just kind of seeing what he does. And um, so that was that was fun. But then when, when the, you know, when the gun went off, it was obviously all business for him. One of the things that I found just the most fascinating thing on the planet, um, well, two things, I guess. I guess Phil's story. I mean, he hit a ball so far left on 13. And, you know, he walks up there, finds it, you know, hits this, I don't know, full wedge or full nine iron out back in play, then hits a, I think, six or five iron on the green, makes birdie. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just hitting in the fairway, you know, <laughs> doing whatever. And he's just, I mean, he's all all over the show. And he's, this is, we're on 17, he's walking off, and he's talking to Bones, and he says something, you know, he's just like, you know, Bones, it's, it's hard to score when you can't make a putt. And I overheard it, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I think he's hit like four fairways in two days. Like, <laughs> but that's just that's just the way he is, and it's and it was just to watch that up close, watch it live, and watch just how it's just water off a duck's back when he hit, hits a bad shot. It's just awesome. Like, it's just so cool to see. And you know, the, other, the our third member of that group was Ogilvy, who who was runner up that year. So you know, you had just basically Ogilvy it was just stripe shot, and then you had Phil just doing what Phil does, and it was just. It was just it was awesome to see up close in person and just and just see some of the you know some of the shots he hit and he, he had a couple of his 
his patent and flops. The greens were soft that year. We had, they had a little bit of rain, so I mean, he had some flop shots that were just incredible. I'm, so it was, it was, it was just, it was cool to see. I'm trying to picture where you even can go left off 13. So he was up in the uh, in the he forest. Was, he was up in the bush. He was up in the bushes. Oh yeah, I I just vividly remember him. Just like just it looked like he was just like climbing a mountain to get get up to where this ball was. And he just and he gets it back in play, makes birdie, you know, hits it on the green, makes birdie. I'm just standing there. I'm like, I think I hit like three wood four iron into the creek and make bogey. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> you know? And so, so it just was, it was awesome. <laughs> you shot 72 in round one, 77 yeah. round two. How much, yeah. how much do you think back on that experience? I mean, was that you've 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 had so much happen in your golf career? Does the Masters really stick out to you as uh, as kind of that's your only time you've played at Augusta? Is that correct? Or yeah. Only time you played yeah. in the Masters, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's something like I, you want to get back. I mean, once you right. do it, like you want to keep going back. You know, you want to. I think that's what you know. You, I mean, obviously, the ultimate dream is to win it, so you can always go back. <laughs> so, I think that's kind of you know. But seeing it, I just love to see. I would just love to see it like kind of playing different every in a weird like just different every year it's like you know i only saw two whole locations whereas you know you watch it on tv you see the whole location front on 13 you know it's like oh, i'd love to play that pin or you know you see it you know top shelf on six or something so it's like man you you you, you want to get back to go just to see these things and see them up close and see them in person to, to play it again i think that's kind of the main you know once you do it it's you just want it's like a drug, I guess. I was, <laughs> are you are you a golf nut? It sounds like you're a golf nut. <laughs> uh, I, I would say golf's about third or fourth on my on my spectrum of sports. To be blatantly honest with you, I mean today was a big day for me. This is the trade deadline for the NBA. I mean this is I'm a Celtics, Celtics. fan, so was, yeah, I'm a Celtics, Sox, Pats fan. So I was uh, I was a little bit on edge today and seeing what they were going to do. So um, yeah, but golf. I mean, like I mean. Like I love golf. Everybody, you know, if you, you do it for a living, you have to love it. So, um, well, that that's a, that's that's. I kind of wanted to ask that because I feel like that's not necessarily the case. You get to a certain point where where when it is your profession, uh, it's it's a question I like to ask: Is do you feel yeah. like you still love golf as much as you did as you're a kid, or do you lose a bit a bit of the love for it when it becomes your job and your occupation? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can I can honestly say I truly do love it, but you know, there's times when I'm like, you know, I remember being in like Germany or something, and I'm like dead last, and I just want to get home, and I'm not loving golf at all. <laughs> like, you know, so there are yeah. times that you just you don't love it, you know, for sure. But you know, there, but I think, like I, you know, it's like it's it's like I said earlier. I mean, there's just, I mean, it's just such a it's it's. To if just to sit back and just think sometimes like hey I do this for a living like come on there there's a lot of other things that you, people are doing that are in, you know would love to be in my shoes so it, from a you know you don't really like I said you don't complain very often when um, when you realize hey this is your profession and this is what you get to do and um, no it's you know I, I would say I, I truly love golf I mean I probably my favorite sport probably be blatantly honest with you is baseball I mean I love it. Uh, everything I'm I'm an absolutely I'm absolutely addicted to it and um I would love you know if I ever have kids one day I will definitely make try to force them to play baseball <laughs> and uh but um yeah uh, but yeah you know, golf's golf's a close second are you do you watch a lot of golf when you're not playing then uh I watch yeah I do I I mean I guess I think I remember, you know, Rory saying something. He's like, I guess the cool thing would to say is not to say I watch golf. But yeah, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, I watch golf. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if, if there's like Sunday afternoon and like the Patriots are on, then maybe not. Or if the Sox are on, but, you know, I'll, I'll flip back and forth. But um, I like watching because I like, I don't, I don't really get to watch it very often. So when I'm home, I like to watch it and I like listening to the, to the different personalities the you know the, the CBS broadcasts have, I think um, you know I see I see a lot you, of people. Are you baiting me into this? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of people you know you know vent about certain characters, but for me, I'm like you know what, like I don't get to listen to them very often, so I'm like ah, I like listening to these guys. <laughs> oh man, you're testing me right now. You're testing <laughs> me. Especially, you know what? I, I especially like the after show. You know, when uh, a couple guys are sitting talking about players. You know, we might know a few guys I'm talking about. I don't know. Uh huh. I think so. I think so. <laughs> uh, so, oh, you caught me off guard with that. I think we're gonna go down that avenue. But um, I, I crowdsourced a couple questions from uh, the, our, my other no laying up guys. They seem to want to. They want to focus on Oklahoma State. I know you brought up Stillwater. Uh, yeah. Just how there seems to be kind of a high level of camaraderie amongst amongst the Cowboys on tour. Did you um, were you encouraged at all to go to Oklahoma State based on who you knew you would be playing with, or was that kind of a a bond that was developed once you were actually there? A uh, little bit of both. Funny enough, I remember I remember playing the AJGA Thunderbird, and Ricky had just. I guess I could say talk about this now. I remember that thing. I remember thinking like Ricky just committed to UCLA, and I remember you know, and I don't know if he what like how much I should share of it, but I remember thinking like I think he had some girlfriend at the time, and he was like wanted to kind of be close to her, and I just was like, dude, I couldn't really tell him at the time. Like you know, I, I knew at this point like I was gonna go. To, I mean, I grew up an Oklahoma State fan. I I was gonna go there. I wanted. I I grew up a huge Duke basketball fan, so my dad. I like asked my dad. I was like, hey, what's the you know, what's the equivalent of Duke for golf? And he's just like, oh, it's Oklahoma State. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go there. You know, I'm like 10 years old. So, so I have, you know, I'd always kind of known I was going to go to Oklahoma State. And um, I remember, you know, really trying to, like, convince Ricky and be like, hey, man, you know, like, I'd love to go, you know, to OSU. Like, you know, if you want to go, like, it'd be cool. <laughs> you know, it's like we can go together kind of thing. And I knew Kevin Toy was going to go there, obviously, because of his dad. And um, we were playing this uh, – we were playing, I forget what event it is, uh, in South Carolina. I think it was me, Tway, and Rick, and we were playing. I had committed to this point. We're playing a practice on course. Intentionally pair up with Morgan Hoffman. So, you know, I think you know. I just remember. I remember him asking me like after the round. He goes, "So what do I do to commit?" And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come. I want to come to school with you guys." I'm like. I'm pretty sure you just call coach and tell him what you're doing. <laughs> so I think uh, I think it was all kind of built up together. You know, we all kind of knew we wanted to play together and, and be together. And, and uh, you know, funny enough, we all now live in South Florida together. So, you know, we uh, we all we all still see each other. We're all still really close. We all spend a lot of time and, and hang out together. So um, it's it was definitely a bond that I guess started before college. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that I had at least heard some remnants of that, but I, that's uh, I didn't realize the extent of it. I guess, but uh, yeah. they also wanted me to ask you about T Boone Pickens, and do you have a relationship with him, or do you have do you know anything about T Boone Pickens? I yeah, I know. Yeah, I have. Yeah, some things <laughs> I can't really say. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, I I I play. I remember playing the pro cowboy pro am with him. And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, it's. I mean, he's got stupid money. You know, let's be honest. Yeah. I think, I forget what the check was he wrote for the athletic department, like five hundred mil or something like that. Enough to get his he, name on the stadium. That's all. That's, yeah. that's all you get to know. But the best part was like. I'm pretty sure this was true. I think the academic department got so pissed off that they, he gave so much money to the athletic department, he just wrote them a check for like 300 mil. <laughs> so it's like, dude, you're a legend. <laughs> I think when you when you come out with a book that says the first billion is the hardest, like you know you've you've done something right. You know, <laughs> it's relatable so, to a lot of people. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know how many people picked up that book and was just like, yeah, you know, I I know what that feels like. You know, first billion, it's tough. Few more, and I'll let you get out of here. Yeah. Um, what, what's who's like an underrated person? Uh, either tour could be PGA, European, whatever. An underrated guy to grab a beer with. Ooh, um, probably. You know, if you if you want to hear good stories, probably David Howell. I mean, David Howell's got uh, he's got tremendous stories, and he t- tells this one story about Augusta. He's uh, he's leading. I think he's leading after two rounds, but he basically says, he's just like, I'm hitting it like a dog. And so he asks, uh, an agent, you know, I think he asks Chubby at the time, you know, Hey, can you go and, um, find me a golf course to play? Like, cause I'm hitting it awful. You know, he's, but he's leading the masters. Like, let's be, I mean, but David is notorious. I mean, the, the dude's the best putter on the planet. So, um, you know, so he, so Chubby sets him up, or I think it's Chubb, sets him up at uh, this local course right down the road. And so he's playing and he's hitting, you know, a couple balls off each hole and, you know, just trying to figure something out for the weekend. And I guess he's standing there and, you know, the, the tea, he's sharing a tee box with, you know, another group. And, you know, he's teeing off one way and the other group's going the other way. And he's waiting for these guys to tee off. And they're like, no, 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 go on ahead. So, you know, he hits a ball, you know, he hits, you know, he hits three, two, three drive, drives or whatever. And some, some guy like from the group is just like, man, you're pretty good at this. What are you, a six? <laughs> you, hear, you know, you hear this, you hear him tell this story and he's just, and you just know, you're like, I mean, if that was me, I'd just be like, dude, I'm leading the masters. Like, you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? But yeah, I think from a story standpoint, I mean, Howler's one of the, I mean, he's one of the best, you know, and, and Jamie Donaldson's, Jamie Donaldson's a lad. Like, if you want to have a good time, like Jamie Donaldson's one of the, he's definitely one of the the more uh, engaging characters. That's for sure. Well, did you ever see the clip the morning after they won the Ryder Cup and he was yeah. getting interviewed on the Golf Channel? Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm still drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. I would say he's uh, if you want to, if you're looking for a good night out, I think JD's the man. All right. Well, I'll let you out of here on that one because that was a a good story to close it with. But, uh, Peter, thank you for your time, man. Best of luck with uh, the rest of the season and all the crazy travels you got ahead of you. We'll definitely uh, be following along. I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me, Paul. You got it, man. Anytime. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.